Welcome to Streamed and Screened, the podcast from Lee Enterprises that is all about movies and TV shows that you should check out, uh, or at the very least, we want to talk to you about. We got Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal. Uh, we also have Bruce Miller. Bruce Miller, a uh, longtime entertainment journalist, also the editor of the Sioux City Journal, and me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee Enterprises, uh, all on the line to hear, here to talk to you about blockbusters and whatnot. But we're going to start a little off, and I wanted uh, Bruce. All right. You've been covering a bunch of Tony Awards and Broadway sort of stuff, so... You know, Broadway is always kind of a resource for the film industry. And coming up in August, you're going to see 13, which was a Broadway show on Netflix. It's about kids who are 13 and it's all starring kids who are 13, playing musical instruments who are 13. So that's a, you know, a sign of what you're going to see. Uh, Broadway is kind of a precursor for all of these things. You're going to see these shows turn up somewhere. And I wouldn't doubt that uh, The Music Man which is just, it's the biggest hit in Broadway right now, uh, selling out, selling out, standing room only, will be turned into one of those kind of, we'll tape it and then show it on TV kind of things. And this is after Hugh Jackman has left, right? It's all understudy at this point, right? No, no, Hugh has COVID. Oh. Hugh <laughs> performed on the Tony Awards Sunday night and then miraculously said on Monday, I've got COVID. So I don't know if he was a super spreader or if he got it from somebody, but- Imagine. Yeah. So his understudy or his standby or whatever they would call it is performing this week until he gets better. But I have seen Music Man. It is incredible. It's fun to watch. It's really very, very good. Company, which won the best uh, revival of a musical, um, a Stephen Sondheim show that was flipped. So it's uh, instead of a man in the leading role, it's a woman. And um, that was covered a bit on PBS did a special about Stephen Sondheim and they showed how they were making these changes just before he died. And then the show opened and, and it won more Tonys than anybody else this year. And then A Strange Loop, which is something you will never, ever see at your community theater, ever, because it is so out there that I don't know, A, that you would have the people to do it or B, that the people would come to see it because it has a lot of very raw language. And it was the most creative show of the year. It really was. It, you know, you're, I wish I could say the things that they say on stage, but it helps you understand that there are other voices out there to be heard. And um, it's funny. It's good. It's The acting is great. It's a great show. It won Best Musical. And like I say, it's not going to tour like you think it will. You're not seeing this like you saw Camelot or any of those other kinds. It's not like Wicked. It's not like Wicked. It's no Fantastics is what you're saying. No Fantastics, no. And the Lehman Trilogy won uh, the best play. And I wouldn't doubt that that would show up somewhere uh, as an HBO thing or as a Netflix thing. So they'll all have lives after that. But that's kind of fun to see how the, the original cast does all this stuff. Very creative and how they have kind of invested in it. Because as you get down the road, the actors really don't remember the creative process. They're just doing the thing. And so these first shows are always fun to watch and always good to see. Broadway is not back like you think it is. They still have a mask mandate. So everybody in the theater wears a mask. So you can't tell if they're smiling or frowning or what. Um, and their rules are pretty stringent. And the casts aren't always there because they have been taking a hit from COVID. But you can see that it's coming back. 
it's just not all the way back. So that's Broadway for you. That is our uh, streamed, screened, and staged subsection here. And we've got a whole bunch of articles that, that Bruce has written uh, about uh, Broadway, did a bunch of interviews. I'll link to all those in the show notes. You can find all those there. Um, so yeah, transitioning. Okay, uh, now. Pretty hard left. Hard <laughs> left. Bruce. Because last week, we talked about Jurassic World Dominion, right? And of the three of us, I was the only one who was excited to see this thing. Of the three of us, I was the only one who saw this thing. And of the three of us, I was really disappointed. Really disappointed. Even the popcorn wasn't enough to keep me occupied. They have way too many people in this cast. They don't give the old people enough things to do. Um, they have stray dinosaurs that you've never seen before that they're just throwing in because they can. And the plot line is so stupid that when you get to the end, you think, you know, the dinosaurs should have won. They should have just stomped everybody. It would have been a better movie. So, and they leave the door open for more. Was it at least enjoyable from a bombast standpoint, from a, from a spectacle aspect? No, because I think they're starting to check off things. And, um, you know, it's, we've got to have this, we've got to have that. And I can't tell you how many plane crashes they have and they're jumping out of planes. And, you know, you think somebody's got to die. Come on, die for me. I need that. So it's not what you think. I loved the Jurassic World when it started, when you actually got to see what the theme park would be like. But now in this world, they presume that dinosaurs are just everywhere. You just live with them. And you're going out in the park and you see a dinosaur, run if you have to, because that's the way it is. And just because we want to create something new, they toss in locusts. So now the locusts are coming. And Kyle, you can't get enough expertise to try and solve this thing. You got all these people from all these films. What are they doing there? Laura Dern wears a wig that the bangs are so low. I don't know that you can see eyes on her. And I swear all they have Bryce Dallas Howard do is run. She's just running all the time. And that was probably the stunt woman. And Chris Pratt does this kind of strange Dr. Strange thing with his hands where he's like holding off a dinosaur. Like that's going to help. You hold the hand out. You speak to the velociraptors like you would like Coco the gorilla, right? It's all, it's all hand signs. And it's like this, you just hold your hands out. That's all you do. And then of course the dinosaurs stop because of course they're not going to move any, any more than that. And then there's this kid who comes in from the first bunch that gives you kind of a link back and you go, you know what? That was too long ago to try and remember. You have to kind of make this a little more understandable for everybody. Cause when you get to the end, it's just, it's way too much. The only one who's kind of fun is Campbell Scott as the new evil guy. He has this meltdown that's just really good. And you think, I need more of that meltdown. But there you are. So last week I was excited. This week, not so much. I will say I want nothing more right now than to see a like a Giallo style slasher movie called Die For Me starring Bruce Miller. That's the, I want... <laughs> I want that as the, <laughs> you're putting razor blades in someone's popcorn, like, I don't know, something along those lines. There's got to be, you know, the. <laughs> in one of these films, they need to have somebody who's top build die right away. They really do. 
that has to be one of those spoiler alert things where you go, oh my God, we lost Laura Dern. She's dead now. And then it makes it seem like the stakes are a little higher. One of the podcasts I was listening to uh, called Content Minds, they were talking about Top Gun recently. And they pointed out that one of the, the most enjoyable aspects of it was the fact that it that that movie wasn't trying to set things up down the line. There were actual stakes when you know certain characters maybe appear to have died like you're legitimately on the edge of your seat because you don't know if any there's a real weight to it that you don't get from a lot of these you know big franchise blockbuster things so there's a moment in jurassic world dominion where somebody does the same thing they do in top gun and i thought Hmm. Did somebody get to see that film in advance? And then they say, let's do a scene like that too, because that'll make one more that we have than they do. So it's suspicious, but you know, they all talk. Well, yeah. Speaking of, I guess, big, big blockbusters and franchise stuff, Jared, who hasn't, who hasn't gotten a word in edgewise yet. What do you think about Lightyear, man? Lightyear is the, the big blockbuster for this week. I'm very excited uh, that this movie is coming out because it means that I will stop seeing trailers for it uh, when I go to the theater. That's my, that's my excitement level with this. Like I know in some ways like this isn't for me because I'm not really that big of a Disney guy. Never really have been even when I was a kid, like I watched like, you know, some of the, you know, cornerstone Disney movies or whatever, but never got fully invested. But even still, it, it really does feel like the bottom we're scraping the bottom of the barrel now. And this has been talked to death maybe, but like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel when we're doing the origin stories of toys or like the movies of toys or whatever tortured logic they've tried to use is the, the pitch for this, which I know is like, it's the actual Buzz Lightyear, not the toy from the toy story movies, which just be honest and say, you just want to make another movie. Like you don't have to have this tortured logic to why this movie needed to exist. So but you don't want to, you don't want to taint the original series. So let's make it kind of removed from that. That's the trick. This is just like a slightly like classier way of doing something like they did years ago with planes, which was in the same world as cars, but like, you know, it was off to the side a little bit. So cars didn't have to take the hit for a, a substandard thing. Do you get the sense that Pixar is kind of moving into a one for them, one for us kind of a situation almost? Because I mean, Turning Red was absolutely fantastic. Coco, obviously, uh, really great. That Soul was good, but it seemed like it was a little bit of a retread of the concepts of Inside Out with, you know, a slightly different, it was, it, it was old wine and new wineskins a little bit. I think onward, even if like that hadn't come out right as the pandemic was like fully uh, starting up, like I don't think that one would have done that much better than that well regarded. That seems kind of like a lesser one as well. So I do think there maybe is something a little bit to the one for them, one for us. Because like 2015, you know, they had Inside Out, which a lot of people kind of think is a high watermark from the past decade or so. And then the same year they had The Good Dinosaur, which I challenge anyone to tell me the plot of. John Lasseter left. So he was kind of that uh, artistic soul for them. And I think then they were searching for where are they going to go? You know, you see the money on something like Frozen and you think, oh my God, we got to have more of that. Let's have more of that. Don't be so creative. You guys can do a little short subject, but we need that big old Frozen money. And so they, they look for that. And I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing to do. Jared, you mentioned Onward and that's... Uh... Uh, one of the co-writers 
for Lightyear is uh, Jason Headley, the the writer for Onward. So, I mean, looks like it's going to be a little bit along those lines as well. Uh, the other co-writer for Lightyear is Angus McLean, the director, uh, who up until now has just done a bunch of tossed off shorts. I mean, not, not to minimize the work that went into them, but the, you know, Toy Story tunes, Small Fry and Toy Story Terror, uh, Toy Story of Terror uh, and a, you know, weird little Wally kind of short is, you know, these aren't the, this, this isn't the person who made Bow, you know, getting a, getting a feature. Uh, so. They're proving grounds for these, these new animators and they get a chance to kind of show what they can do. And they figure we haven't invested that much money, so let them do it. But when you're getting the big blockbuster thing that we've got to do toys for, and we've got to make sure that we can do something at the theme park with it, there's a lot invested. I don't know where you stand on this, Bruce, but I mean, it's a, I wouldn't say that I'm excited, but it's one that I definitely want to see in a theater. And it's also one that I would want to see with kids in the theater. Like I want to get that feeling of seeing how, how they react to stuff. The last time that I did anything like that was Mitchell's versus the machines, which was another, just a great, great experience. It looks more dramatic than what a regular toy story would be. Are you excited for it, Bruce? Chris Evans. You got Chris Evans in there. That's something interesting. The look is interesting to me, you know, where it's kind of smoothed out and it looks like real characters, not cartoony ones. Um, so I'm interested in seeing what the visuals look like. And there's a cat in there that I think is going to be the breakout uh, toy. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm up for it. But to me, it's in the separate pile. It's not in the Toy Story pile at all. In the same line of conversation as going to the theater and experience that, experiencing movies with other people. Uh, when I saw Top Gun again last night, uh, a woman uh, who was very near uh, to me was, who was sitting in, in one of the chairs uh, a few little ways over was very, didn't have any kind of internal monologue. There, there was no real you know, there wasn't any, any barricade between the thoughts and, and the mouth and whoever she was on a date with or uh, whatever, she was constantly asking questions of, so that's, that's Goose's son. That's uh and then the, <laughs> my, my favorite line that she had was when they cut to, cause this is, this is not a, uh, any spoiler. Well, you tell me if Iceman dying is a spoiler. No, not at okay. this point. That movie's okay. yeah. expected. Okay. No. When it cuts to the the picture of uh, Iceman uh, in front of a casket, oh, no. she she says, "Did Iceman die?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was just in in a like perfect like conversational volume, and a you know I mean nothing against her. You're just you know saying some silly stuff, and for me it was. If it was a movie that I hadn't seen, I'd be a little bit grumpy about it, but I could enjoy it with her in, in that way. Uh, but I'm happy to be back in theaters. That's the fallout from being home so long and watching these films at on your own screen. It's TV, you do other things while you're watching TV. People don't pay attention. And so they're used to just kind of talking out loud and saying something to somebody else, maybe being on their phone even. And they think you can do all that kind of stuff at a theater. To that point, the second time that I went and saw Top Gun, because I saw it again this past weekend, so now I've seen it three times, 
the second time I went to see it, there was a guy that was like, it was clearly raining outside. There was a guy that was just watching weather forecasts on his phone and he was sitting in the front row. So like multiple times in the movie, including like the big emotional scene between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer, this guy just has his phone like pulled up and it's just like checking the weather app to see like the storm rolling through. So yeah, people really do not know how to act in theaters <laughs> anymore. For what it's worth, the Midwest got some crazy weather yesterday. I will say that. Like we we've, we've had, I mean, we're in the middle of tornado season. Um anybody who wants can check out the Across the Sky podcast. <laughs> we'll oh, look at that. Uh later to talk about uh some some weather movies uh eventually, but yeah, it's good to be back in theaters. Chris, how full was uh Top Gun when you went and saw it again this uh past weekend? The, the theater that I was at, um, all of the, like the larger screens had been taken over by Jurassic Park. So we were in a smaller room in a smaller theater, but it was pretty dense. I mean, like it was, wouldn't say sold out, but it was definitely, um, you know, I was sitting next to a stranger. Uh, the, my friend was sitting next to a stranger. Like, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it was, a uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder. That's that's basically the way it was when I went and uh, saw it over the weekend, too, which, I mean, that is definitely part of the reason why this movie is still hanging around near the top because um, it was second this week, but a pretty strong second. So it, it'll be funny to see if, like, uh, Jurassic World is the kind of blockbuster where the second week it just takes a huge nosedive uh, in the box office returns and maybe Top Gun goes back to number one again. It could. I would say that that is that seems pretty likely. I saw it in 3D and that was an incentive. That wasn't anything more that you, you know, really needed. Oh yeah, I guess speaking of Top Gun, we got another movie uh, from, from Joseph Kosinski, who was the director of Top Gun Maverick, uh, a movie called Spiderhead, which is going to be on Netflix starting this weekend. That I have seen no trailers for anywhere. I will say, having now seen the trailer, which I had to go out of my way to find um like as doing research for for this episode and uh i think it looks great i mean like it looks fun it's you know stars uh chris hemsworth and miles teller uh, and uh journey smollett and a bunch of other folks it is based on a george saunders short story which i'm gonna link to uh because it's on uh, the newyorker.com uh, just because you know we're we're snooty we you know we put our pinkies out when we when we sip our hot tea and yeah spiderhead is the name of a uh, kind of state-of-the-art future penitentiary where people go and test out experimental drugs i think so yeah it looks pretty wild and miles teller's on a uh, on a roll chris hemsworth it's another big big movie for him this summer and you know i mean it'll be on netflix I'd sign up for that. Yeah, anybody can just throw it on. Oh, no, I meant I would sign up for the drug testing thing. If I'm going to live in a dystopian, you know, hellscape, you know, there are worse ones than... Oh, these, are, I don't, it's not that kind of drugs. <laughs> I think these are... Yeah, the, even still, even yeah, still, you yeah. know, I get, you know, three hots and a cot and I get some drugs pumped into me, you know? Yeah. Watch the trailer. We'll uh, come back to me. You let me know if this is what it sounds <laughs> like. Uh so that'll be on Netflix. Again, the, the barrier to entry is so low. Uh, I've, I, I hope it's okay. I don't know. I, I really liked the, 
the Adam Sandler movie that came out last weekend. And this is obviously a different, different gear completely for Netflix stuff, but Netflix does not do a good job of promoting its things because you don't know what's coming up. They were relying so long on those, those newspapers they would put out what's new on Netflix this month that they felt they didn't have to do any kind of promotion. But you don't know what's coming from month to month that you can get excited about. So unless they do a big push, it could just die on the vine. It feels especially bizarre with something like this because, you know, obviously Tom Cruise is the main reason that Top Gun Maverick is doing so well. But you got the guy that directed one of the biggest box office smashes that there's been in the past couple of years. And then you've got Chris Hemsworth, who everyone knows because of Marvel. And one of the Top Gun kids. Yeah, and it just, you know, there's no hide nor hair of it in terms of promotion. Yeah, they could do better. And then to that same point too, Chris, you mentioned uh, Hustle, the Adam Sandler movie, which I still need to get to seeing. You know, I've been watching like the NBA uh, finals and you would think there would be an ad for it there. That would be a logical place to, to drop an ad for this uh, basketball movie. And I, I haven't seen an ad for it uh, there. So there's another place where Netflix is uh, dropping the ball. So what you're saying is that things behind the scenes at Netflix might be a little chaotic? No. That there no, might no, be no. Some, some reshuffling of, of priorities there, maybe? <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> well, I guess we can kind of throw out, uh, speaking, of, speaking of Netflix, we got that new J-Lo documentary halftime. Uh, which looks like a lot of fun. So that's out there. Gotta love J-Lo. You've seen part of it? Yeah. And you thought it was good or? Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting time in, in her career. It is, I mean, it, you get the sense that they started filming this knowing that her trajectory was going to be on the upswing with Hustlers, the film that she was nominated for a Golden Globe for, um, and the around that, she ended up getting the, um, the, the Super Bowl halftime show, and you know she was turning fifty. So these are all of these kind of milestones in her life, professionally and personally. And it's you know having to deal with not winning the Oscar, or you know I don't even think she was even nominated. She for wasn't Oscars. nominated. No, did she uh, have Derek in there? Or no, wait, she was with uh, Alex, wasn't she? A Rod. Yep. Yeah. Do they have stuff with that or not? Not that I've seen. Uh, I know Ben Affleck is in there as a talking head and because it's, you know, right when things were kind of falling apart with her and A-Rod and moving into J-Lo, Affleck. Uh, Benifer. 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 Do they melt down at all? Not really. Not that I've seen. No. Looks good. I, again, I, I've not seen all of it, so I can't pass full judgment, but. We'll look for that. Let's see. I'm trying to find a way to transition into uh, maybe elder stateswomen of of acting. Uh, we can talk about uh, <laughs> Emma Thompson in Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which is going to be out on Hulu this weekend. You know, we talked earlier about theater, and this really looks like something that could be done on stage because it's very much a two-hander, as they like to call it. Um, it's all done in a in a hotel room, and she's an older woman who wants to experience things she really didn't think she had in life, sexually, basically. And she hires what they call a sex worker. 
And this young man, this very hunky uh, young man comes to the door and you can see that he is much more grounded than she is. And he, you know, she starts, she has a list. She brings out a list and she says, these are the things I want to do because I think I've missed out on life and I'd like to do this. And so she starts listing all of them and he's, and he's like, you want to do them all at once? What is this? And she said, no, no, we can take our time. We'll go through the list. And so it's a series of these meetings. Um, they label them as, you know, meeting one, meeting two. And you see how they change the two of them and how he is shaken off his kind of confidence. You know, this is a world where he feels very confident um, circulating and she doesn't. And it kind of shifts. And they both are presenting a, a facade that they want the other to believe is who they are. And the truth comes out in the end. And that's kind of interesting. The young man is really good, a British actor. His name is Daryl McCormick. And I think he's really, really a wonderful young actor. But Emma, 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 you did not need a full frontal nude scene. You did not need that. Um, it's not necessary in the movie. And there are, is enough of that kind of suggestive nudity that you get the sense of everything. But I don't know if she did it for shock value or if she just wanted people to feel like this is what I look like at whatever age I am. Take it or leave it. I didn't see a need for it. It was just interesting that it was there. That's the one thing that I knew about this movie, you know, hearing about it. Like that's the, it's the thing that's led it, led the, the. It's like a selling point where you think, oh my God, this is the one where she's naked and she's standing in front of the camera and you can see everything. Okay. But was Emma Thompson on your list of must see people, you know? So I don't think it was necessary, but I liked the movie. I thought the movie was very good, especially the conversations they have. And they're very intimate conversations. For some reason, as you were describing the specific plot of uh, this movie, it was just making me think of uh, the to-do list with Aubrey Plaza from like a number of years ago, which is a very similar premise. Although in that case, it's a high school graduate instead of someone, you know, farther along in life who has all of these things that, uh, you know, she wants to do and, and cross off of uh, her sexual exploration list. So maybe that would be a good uh, one-two pairing of uh, movies. Yeah. Like I say, it could be easily a play. You could easily do it as a play. And um, they could do it as a, just a, even a broadcast because the two have great voices and they're very um, engaging. You want to listen to them. You want to hear what they have to say. And especially since he seems like he has an advantage, even though he's probably half her age. So try it, see what you think. But you'll see like I do, they didn't need to have the nude scene. It wasn't necessary. It's, I think it's for shock value. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> we'll be tuning in next week to find out if you indeed do believe that that scene was necessary. Yeah. Um... Something about movies, we were talking about Spiderhead with uh, movies that we haven't seen any promo for. Uh, when, I, when I was putting together the, uh, the, the trailers for this to pass to you guys, um, I, I always sort it by popularity, whatever the YouTube algorithm uh, says for popularity. And when I saw that there was a, a version of Father of the Bride starring Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan, um, it's a, you know, Cuban-American spin on Father of the Bride. Um, and 
I was like, I, I don't know about this. I, I, you know, everything looks good on paper. And then once I, you know, sorted the, the YouTube thing, I was like, oh, this is underneath Lightyear. This is the most popular thing of the, the trailers that I had on there for, and again, I don't, whatever the algorithm is saying. And so it kind of took me by surprise, but having watched the trailer, having seen it now, and it's going to be on HBO, HBO Max, uh, it looks great. Looks fantastic. It's got um, it's got Chloe Feynman in there from SNL. Uh, her, she's kind of on the on the come up, and um, obviously Andy Garcia is fantastic. And uh, yeah, it just looks really sweet and great. So that's going to be on HBO Max, and I'm really looking forward to it. There's one of us. <laughs> I am not. You're not. It, it, what, no. what, Bruce, what what is it about it that that turns you off is it the fact that it's a remake is it what you know it's a it's a retread where we're going back over something that we retread retreaded something else i didn't need it again and all this you know now i don't want to sound like yeah i probably do but they think that just put in an all whatever cast and it's a different movie it's the same movie so if this is an all hispanic or latino cast yeah, so it's still the same concept. Something like this, where it is, you know, the title is is familiar, the the concept is familiar. Uh, it's it's not just, you know, because I mean, there's only you know X number of stories in in the world, you know, I guess, um, depending on which you know T.S. Eliot poem you're you're reading at the time. Um, but Lion King's great, but that's a remake of you know, Shakespeare. So is it, is it just that this is too on the nose? I mean, does, does it feel, is it opportunistic? Is that what you're, what you're suggesting? Or is it, I mean, cause Why it's- can't they do a, okay. They can do a, um, my daughter is getting married story, right? Do they need to have all the beats that are the same from the one that we've seen before? Is there something there about the audience that they're insecure and they want to know that they're going to get something that is going to be guaranteed that's what i find is so kind of weird about this because look at bridesmaids for example bridesmaids is a pre-wedding thing it's entirely different than anything father the bride is dishing out there but i think they like the the confident level confidence level of having father of the bride okay you know that you know what you're getting and then they said oh we're going to be real edgy we're going to not cast this like you traditionally would. We're not bringing back Steve Martin and Diane Keaton. We're going to try it with something else. What could that be? Well, let's look at the demographic charts. Where do we have the most growth here? We can find the most growth if we look at the Latinx category. Let's go there. Let's go there. It's not just, it seems so calculated. I mean, it is worth also throwing out there that the Steve Martin one was a remake of you know the Spencer Tracy movie. So I mean this is a, a lineage of that, but I totally understand what you're saying. It's the I'm I'm holding out to you know see what they do with it because my expectation based on the trailer, based on you know just the the buzz, I guess that you know I've you know picked up in the past well, I hope, <laughs> you know two hours good and i hope they've switched it enough so that all you say that it had in common with those is the title well i think it's going to be like the substance of it, the things that that connect people to it 
is going to be the the nuance it's going to be how is this pitched for that specific audience what are the inside jokes what are the you know the the relatability aspects of it that make that connect to the audience who else is in it the only names that jump out to me is andy garcia uh gloria estefan and chloe Feynman. matt walsh uh from ucb also uh on the cast list also uh it is worth noting i don't know how comedy nerd this is going to be but it's got the uh no good car ideas uh gentleman from i think you should leave yep <laughs> uh ruben rabasa you know you were kind of talking about it maybe being some of the the subtle things that's going to make it different that that ultimately would be uh you know a, a positive thing where I, it does feel in some ways where we're at a point now and bruce is kind of getting to this i think a little bit that it doesn't feel like it's enough necessarily to just have a diversity of cast. You need to have a diversity of characters that matters just as much because, you know, if you just have a diversity of cast, but you're still telling the same stories and the same molds and everything, you're not really progressing at all as an art form. You're just reskinning stuff without actually hearing the stories of these people that you're putting in these movies in a way that makes sense. Well, and it's, I think it's executives not really willing to take a risk on comedians who could create something very, very original. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it too. They're always just going to default to what they already know, which is going to be, you know, the same stuff we've seen before. Yeah, I, I'm holding out hope, but we'll see. It's a good cast. And I like seeing uh, Andy Garcia uh, at the helm of something because he, uh, Definitely. I always enjoy uh, seeing him and stuff. So as far as unique plots go, uh, if we're looking to, to stretch a little bit, there is a movie called Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which is going to be coming out on Apple. Apple Plus this weekend is directed by a uh, young man named Cooper Rafe, who doesn't really have that much uh, on his resume uh, outside of a um, movie that I I won't uh, say the title of it's S word house from 2020 uh, that it looks like it was, you know, pretty good um, in the indie circles, but cha-cha real smooth. Uh, it is uh, stars Cooper Rafe, the director, as well as uh, Dakota Johnson and like Leslie Mann, Brad Garrett, handful of other uh, people further down the cast list. And uh, Cooper Rafe's character is a party starter for bar slash bat mitzvahs. And he ends up becoming pals with Dakota Johnson, whose daughter is at one of these uh, events. And don't know if there's going to be any kind of romance there. I, I gen, gen, genuinely don't know. But I know that there uh, is a certain amount of festival buzz that is attached to this one. Um, looks like it is getting a lot of you know pretty solid above average reviews from most folks who, who've registered them. That's what Tiffany Haddish did. She was a, a party starter. And uh, the story she tells, great stuff. So it could be something there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is on Apple Plus. Um, yeah, I don't know where to, what else? You know, what's at? interesting is Dakota Johnson was in that dreadful Fifty Shades of Grey. You think, oh my God, her career is sunk. And everything she's done since then has been good. So she went up and uh, more power to her. Let's see more good things from her. So I, I see that as a good sign for this. 100%. Yeah, cha-cha real smooth. And um, 
Yeah, comparatively, how's uh, how's Jamie Dornan doing? Well, he did Belfast, so he got yeah, that. yeah. But that whole thing, oh, Fifty Shades of what? <laughs> there is one. There is one that they could have used more frontal nudity in. Just saying. Well, it would have fit the, uh, you know. Right. It would have been perfect. It would have fit the source material. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm determined to make my own opinion about <laughs> good luck to you, Leo Grand. Yeah, I'm counting on hearing how that turned out. So be there for me. There we go. We might have to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have like a side podcast. We'll do a subscriber only uh, streamed and screened after dark. We'll do That's like you know, like a, like a USA up all night version of streamed and screened. Can I swear? I mean, sure. You you could swear right now if you want. I'll oh no no, I I can't swear on this. This is not a, a possible. But that <laughs> I could. Jared, you want to take us out? I don't know what else we got to to dive into this this time around. So, uh, yes. Look, I'm just filling for time right now. I don't have anything uh, clever to say. I was uh, very lazy beforehand. Didn't craft a, a nice funny little uh bant or uh bon mot uh to end this one with so i'm just gonna say uh stay at home because it's super hot out in a lot of the the places in the country and uh stream something good from the comfort of your own home or uh you know go to the theaters and uh and keep cool there and uh screen something good stream something good or screen something good this has been streamed and screened. We'll be back next week with more good stuff, more movies and, and all that. Uh, I think next week we got a pretty interesting rundown. Let me pull up the, the list here. Let's see. Yeah, Black Phone, Elvis. That's, that's good right there. That's a solid one-two punch. Black Phone, Elvis, Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Looks like that's, I, I think that's going wide. So we'll definitely talk about those and then a bunch of other uh, odds and ends so yeah next week black phone elvis marcel the shell with shoes on uh, some other odds and ends thank you all for listening you can find us on all the places where you subscribe to things uh, and leave reviews and tell your friends and we'll have links to everything in the show notes you can find uh, the movies we talked about find our contact information if you want to sound off in our, our dms slide on in complain congratulate high five compliments all that good stuff thank you so much goodbye thank you thank you very much